you'd like to turn to uh, 1 John, chapter 3. Our main focus is going to be on verses 11 to 18, but it will be good just to go um, get to verse 18 if we, we start at the beginning. It gives us a, a picture of what's going on. So we start in at verse 1, but we'll be really focusing on 11 to 18. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So as mentioned, um, the title for this evening's sermon is Knowing Christ leads us to loving one another. And as you know, we're in verses 11 to 18 in in chapter 3. And we've got to this this part here, as we've just read, just after John had been stating to the church that those who seek and desire to keep God's commands are of Christ. And those who sin and are rebellious and refuse to submit to Christ are of Satan. And then he he brings us now to verse 18. 11. So in these next few verses, John outlines a a specific command. 
And this is what we'll be looking at today. We'll see that John commands us to love one another. He shows us that Cain is actually the antithesis of love. He is the opposite of what love is, what love looks like. We see that loving one another is the fruit of faith in Jesus Christ. And we see Christ as our example of what love is. And then finally, John gives us a practical example of what it is to love one another in Christ. So we come now to verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So John has given her, given us this commandment. This is a command that we heard from the beginning. That is what we heard when we were first saved. John's saying, look, this is what you heard when you were first saved. You, you know that you are to love God and you are to love one another. So this command falls under the third use of the law, and we'll look at the other two shortly. But the function of the law in, in um, this the third use is towards regenerate people. It's to guide us into good works that God has planned for us. So here, this is a command only for brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot apply this to the world because the world does not know Christ and they are not our brethren. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So when we have the gift of faith and we are brought to life in Christ, the Lord in his grace and his goodness to us reveals the good works that he has for us. These are his commands and we find these in scriptures. So we study the scriptures as brothers and sisters, as believers, wanting to know how we can show our love to God. His commands tells us as his children what pleases him. And as we, as we seek to, in the strength of Christ, to, to keep these commands, we, we are blessed by these. We see what it is to live righteously. And this command to love one another is, is, as I said, under the, the third use of the law. Uh, it, it cannot, cannot come under the, the first, um, two. So the, the first use of the law is to bring a sinner to the realisation that, that someone is a sinner and that they require a saviour, that they are under judgement. So the first use of the law is to really to crush somebody, to say, look, you are a sinner, you have not met this standard. You are under the wrath of God. And this, again, doesn't fall under the second use of the law that the law is used as a civil restraint. It's used to restrain evil. You see, the law is unable to change a person's heart. That's the power of the gospel. That's what the gospel does. But the law can restrain, but it doesn't deal with judgment. It doesn't deal with the heart. It just crushes a person. And that is the right use of the law. Now, in the civil sense... Um, this should be done by uh, the government to, to bring all those who are, are over a nation. But as we know, as we look worldwide, we see leaders of nations that they want to murder. They want to murder infants in the womb. They want to, they, well, they seek to, to kill the vulnerable and they hate God and his commands. But 
if you look across, there there are still times when people are punished for murder. People um, are not trusted for lying. There, there, there are times where it is still used, not as it should be, but there is still a use of um, the third use of the, of the law. But as we've stated, this command to love one another, to love one another in Christ, is for the believers, for those of faith. Yes, the law tells us to, to love God and to love one another. And when people fall short, they are under the judgment. But when we are in Christ, this is for brothers and sisters. Now, this is an outworking of knowing Christ. So if everyone who has confessed with their their mouth that Jesus is Lord and has believed in their their heart that God has raised him from the dead, this is the one, this is a command for them. We cannot hold this command over those that deny Christ. It may, we cannot hold it over people who may just attend but have no faith in Christ. This command is not even for those who claim a faith. And as Christ pointed out, that may say, we have prophesied in the, in your name. We have cast out devils and we have done many wonderful works. If they don't trust in Christ for their salvation, this command in the third uh, use of the law is, is not for them. This command is for the elect. It's for those who have been shown the grace and the mercy of God and, and truly know and love Jesus. So here we have this command. Here we see that we are commanded to love one another. John doesn't explain yet what it means to love one another. What he does next is move to the polar opposite. He says you must love one another, but here is an example of what it looks like not to love one another. And this is where he draws our attention to Cain. And Cain, as I mentioned, is the antithesis of love. He's the complete opposite to what love is. We see this in verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So as mentioned earlier, we know that Cain's offering was not accepted because he was trying to earn salvation. He was not of faith. So his works were unrighteous. His works were evil because of the goal of his works, which was to earn salvation. He did not love God. He thought he could earn God's favour in his in his own works. He didn't understand what we spoke, what Glenn spoke of earlier. He, he didn't understand total depravity. He thought he could be righteous in his own strength. And all this, what we see, is linked to love, to loving one another. So before John gets to the practical element of what it looks like to love, John wants us to know and to, to make clear why we must deal with the heart of love first. So like Cain and Abel, as they brought an offering from their hard labour, Abel brought in faith, Cain brought in order to earn his salvation. So this is a a warning for us from John. There may have been people in the church that John is writing to who confessed a faith in Christ, but were not of Christ. And they may still be in the church. We know some that brought heresy, that were, were speaking out and stating that Christ had not come in the flesh. They had gone, but there still might be this error in the church. 
there may be people in um, Bible-believing churches who confess the faith but are not of Christ. And John has a warning. He's saying, look, here's a command to love one another. But when there is the outworking of love, loving in action, what is the heart behind it? Because this is the issue. So Cain is of Satan. His desire was for himself. John is showing that Cain's heart and his actions are a warning not to follow the pattern of Cain. So when we see that command to, to love one another, this shouldn't be done in an attempt to earn salvation. If we think, oh, if I can meet, if I can meet this command to, to love the, the people in the church, then I will earn salvation. That is the heart of Cain. We've missed the point here. So we should not attempt to love out of a desire to earn salvation. This will lead to the same way as Cain. It will lead to being rejected by God. So we should not follow this pattern. And Cain carried on, didn't he? When when he was rejected and his sin was shown, he, he broke out in rage. He was, anger, he was angry. And it led him to murder his brother. So clearly, all of Cain was, was against loving his brother. But even with God's gracious warning to Cain of the road that lay ahead before him, if he continued in the way that he was going, Cain still spiralled further and further in this pattern of sin. Because Cain did not love. He did not love because he had no faith. There was no love in him. He did not love his brother because he did not love God. So before we look further into this passage, we, we must examine ourselves here. Why do we seek to love others? Is it out of faith or is it out of works? One is a result of salvation and the other because of pride that will lead to destruction. So John has, has given a warning about Cain in verse 12. And then he gives us another warning in verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. What Cain did should not surprise us. Cain, as it stated, was of Satan. And what does Satan love? He loves death and destruction. So if we are of Christ and we seek to love one another, do not be surprised if the world hates us. The world is Satan's and all those who reject Christ belong to Satan. So we should not be shocked if we show love to one another and then the world rejects us, then the world hates us. Abel gave in faith. He loved God. Cain saw that and hated and murdered his brother. So this shouldn't be surprises if, as believers, when we are loving one another, when we are together in fellowship, that we will be hated. And then John moves on now and we're going to look at verses uh, 14 to 15. And in this, we see that the love of one another is the fruit of faith. It comes from Christ. Verse 14 and 15. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye, ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. 
So John now leads us into the root cause of why believers love one another and why in the strength of Christ, when we abide in him, we can obey this command. The statement here, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren, is speaking of regeneration. John is stating that a believer, a Christian, will know that they are truly saved because of the fruit of salvation. It's shown by the fact that they will naturally love the brethren. I can hand on heart say, before I was a Christian, I was saved at, I think, 20, 22 years of age. Before that, I did not love the Christians. I did not love the church in any shape or form. I believe that they were the weirdest bunch of people that ever existed, and to be honest, probably still think the same a little bit, but I am now part of that weird bunch that loves one another. But there was a hatred. I did hate believers. Because in my ignorance, I believe that there was a heart there that they thought themselves righteous of their own works. I thought that the church was a group of people who, to be honest, earned their own salvation and stood and looked down upon others. And some people may still say that. I know non-believers still accuse the church of this. And that wasn't because of what anybody had done. That's because my heart was unregenerate. I hated Christians. That was just a natural thing for me in my evil, sinful state because God had, had yet worked in my heart. He, he, I had not been brought to faith at that point. So John here is, is stating that a Christian will know that they are of the faith because they will naturally love the brethren. Evidence of regeneration. We know that we have passed from death to life when we love one another. So the love of one another is the fruit of faith. All people, everyone who was born after the fall, are spiritually dead. They're dead in trespasses and sin. Obviously, with the exception of Christ. But part of the redeeming work of Christ is that when a person comes to faith, in Christ they are regenerated. That is, they are born again. John says it here. And it's the Holy Spirit. He is the operator of regeneration in an individual. He convicts a person of their sin. And when they are confronted with the view that they have broken the commands of God, it brings a realisation of the wrath that is to come upon them. And when they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit, he works in them and they come to the understanding that only in Christ will they be saved. And with that, he brings new desires. He brings new will and a new affection into the elect. And again, we look here, and one of those new affections is the love of other Christians, the love of one another. This is not something that, that can be faked. It can be covered for a period of time. We, we, people could act like it, but eventually it will come to light. We saw that with Cain and Abel. Cain spoke, spoke with God. God was there with Cain, yet he still rebelled against God. So it can be covered. We could imitate it for a while, but we will be fined out if we are not of the faith. But for us to love one another, this cannot be done in our own strength or our own devices. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit, him working in us. So our responsibility is to put that desire into practice. 
And what that looks like, we will come to shortly. But first we come to verse 16. Verse uh, 15 and 16, sorry. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So we know that when a Christian shows love to his, his brother, and it's from a heart of that has been regenerated, it's a witness and a confirmation of their faith, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But in verse 15, we have the flip side. We have the opposite. We have whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Murderers do not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.19. Um, it goes, five, verse 5.19 goes through um, two verse, three verses, looking at everyone that doesn't inherit the kingdom of God, what, what it means. And basically, it shows us that those that desire the things of the world, the, the pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh, which includes murder, are not of the faith. So the list that Paul gave is the outworking of somebody dead in trespasses and sins. It's not that they, they did these things and became a sinner. They were a sinner and they do these things naturally. So in verse 15, John is stating that a Christian will do Christian things in love because they are alive in Christ and the Holy Spirit is working them. Verse 16, he said the non-believers are going to do non-believery things, hate the Christians, and do evil because they are not of Christ. They are like Cain. And again, the difference here is, as we've seen earlier on, for the Christian who sins, there will be remorse. There will be a, a pain, a suffering. They, they will want to kill that sin in them. So they will run to Christ always. Those that hate Christ and deny him will love sin. They will love to do evil, and that's what Cain did. So again, we, we have a separation. Those that love the brethren are of Christ. Those that hate are murderers and are not of Christ. So, again, we'll come shortly to what the practical outworking of that is. But it's important that we, we follow the pattern that John has set for us here. So far, he has said, look, here is a command. Love one another. Don't be like Cain who rejected God and murdered. Again, don't be surprised if you are hated either. He goes on to say, look, love, loving one another is evidence that you are regenerate, that you are of Christ. And it's the fruit of faith. And if somebody doesn't love believers, then they are not actually a believer themselves. Now, John gets to the point of how do we even know how to love? Christ is the example. And we see it here in verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Our example of love is Christ himself. How do we know love? We see it in Christ on the cross. Christ laid his life down for his people. We heard that this, this morning. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know the love of God. We have seen it in action. We know what love is. We have seen love itself, Jesus Christ. 
So love is, isn't something that's made up. Love comes from God because God is love. And that is shown, that is manifested for us in the death of Christ, in his sacrifice for us. And I want to make this really personal now for us all. If you trust in Christ, if Christ is your Lord and your Saviour, he has died for you. He died for you because he loves you. He suffered torture for you because he loves you. He had a crown of thorns forced on his head because he loves you. He carried the cross because he loves you. He was nailed to that cross and bled and died because he loves you. Jesus did all of this for his people because he loves us. Romans 5, 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Christ loved us that endured the wrath of the Father for us. This is a personal love. This is an intimate love. This is a sacrificial love. This is a love that cost Christ his life. Christ is the example of what love is. And we rejoice because he rose again. And through his death and through his resurrection, we are now alive in Christ. We have a new heart, we have new desires, we have new affections and a new will. And in verse 16, we say we see here that we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Does this mean giving our lives as Christ did? Does this mean doing things for one another that we may find difficult and, and sacrificial? Yes and yes. Paul says this in um, 1 Corinthians, uh, in verses 10, 33 to 11, 1. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So for Paul, Christ was the example. And this love that, that Paul saw in Christ he showed to the brethren. He gave up and saw things as absolute rubbish because he wanted to, to love and honour Christ. And in that, he wanted to love the brothers and sisters in Christ. He would travel. He would be shipwrecked. He would suffer. He would be almost stoned to death. He would ultimately die for the faith because he wanted to spread the gospel. He wanted to proclaim the gospel. He wanted to go and meet with brothers and sisters in Christ and help them in their walk. So Paul was a, a good example as well, but his example was Jesus Christ. He saw what Christ had done, he trusted in Christ, and he knew what love looked like. So really the heart of loving one another in Christ is done with a regenerate heart, and it's to be willing to be sacrificial in our love. So we know when we look to Christ, and we understand his love for us. We will love one another out of a love for our Lord and our Saviour. And then John gives us an example of what that could be in verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So John gives us one example here. 
Our big example, of course, is to imitate Christ, to know the love of Christ, to know Christ, and he is our example of how we live that out. But John gives, John here gives us another example. He gives us a, a, a practical example. If we have worldly goods, if we have the things of the world such as, as food, drink, clothes, etc., and we see a brother or sister in need, and we don't give it to them, and we harden our heart, we turn from them, we have no sympathy for them, and refuse to give relief, then, as John says, he's the God of love in us. Practically, where we can, we should give to one another when there is a need. If we refuse to, is it because we do not love? And this is the key, is it because we don't love one another? And is that the evidence of that? Or is it something that we need to repent of and, and turn to Christ and see him as our example? But we must remember we, we're speaking about love here, biblical love. We are to give in love that is centred on scripture. So the practical love that John is speaking of must be restrained and guided by scripture. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So loving practically is to give what we have to those in need. It's active. This is one aspect of love, but biblical love is practical. It shouldn't just be words. So verse 17 shows the practical aspect and verse 18 supports this by stating we should do it in deed and in truth. So John's saying, look, we shouldn't just say we will do something and make a big show of it and not actually deliver. And there must be a value to this love, to this physical showing of love. And the biggest thing that goes against this at the minute is virtue signalling. It's doing very little but claiming that we are loving people. We can fly a flag. We can bang pots and pans outside our house. We can change our our Facebook profile. We can say, oh, we're going to send prayers and offer very little or next to nothing. But we've done our bit because we've done absolutely nothing. We should give, we should help where we can in truth and in deed. Not just by signalling, not just by being fake, not just by thinking we've done something because we've done very little. So, in truth, is to be done in line with scripture. So there are parameters to giving to one another. We think about it with, um, with parents and children. If a child does not have a bucket full of sweets and asks for a bucket full of sweets, should we, out of love, because we can get the sweets, give them? No, no, that would be a stupid thing to do. There, there, there has to be parameters, there has to be uh, a, a guide to, to what we give and how we give. We must understand that actually giving in love may actually be withholding and speaking truth of Scripture to one another. An example here is, is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now then, that as such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So here, there may well be people in need, but they were not willing to work. 
the key word here is that that they that they were being busy bodies that they were were would ceasing to work they didn't want to work there wasn't a desire to work there it wasn't that they couldn't find work it wasn't that there was a situation that has that had arose these were people that did did not want to work but wanted to be given all their worldly goods and that would have been a hindrance that would not have been love to give to a brother who wasn't willing to work that would have just um increased their manner of laziness this I can give you an example outside of of the brethren, but when I was working uh, with young offenders, I went to a home where the dad uh, refused to work. Um, he was given plenty of money to to put three hundred pound, I think three hundred pound a week aside for for uh, cannabis. That was his. He didn't have to work. He always done for him. He had everything he needed. Didn't have to lift a finger and could even put £300 aside for cannabis. There was no need. That wasn't helping him. It certainly wasn't helping his family. So if that is the case, then we would not be helping. We would not be loving one another if we allow us to be slothful. If somebody's not willing to work, then to to feed them and to, to help them would not be of love, but would be encouraging that slothful behaviour. So how are we able to love one another then? What does practical love like? What offer? What can we offer one another? To know this properly, we must have fellowship with one another. How can we know one another's needs if we do not know one another, if we are not gathering together, if we are not praying for one another, if we are not caring for one another? So we have had a practical example given to us there. We've seen that it has to be done in word, uh, in deed and in truth. But to give endless examples would be of no use. We have to know one another. We have to come together. And what draws us together? It is Christ. What drives us, what gives us the will, the affections of one another? It's knowing the love of Christ. So in conclusion, we, we've had a commandment to love one another. Not a commandment unto salvation, but in response to the love that's been given to us in Christ. He gave his life so that we can have eternal life. This is how we know what true love is. That whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. So how can we not love one another? When we know that we're all in Christ. So when we see a fellow Christian, Christ has loved them. He has died for them. We are to love them too. We are to help them when we can. So in response to receiving the love of Christ and to understanding what he has done for us, we seek to honour his command to love one another. And we do this in deed and in truth for the glory of of our Lord and our Saviour. And I just want to finish just with this last verse as we, we go back to verse 1 for us to dwell on. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world not, knoweth not because it knew him not. Dwell on the fact and behold what manner of love the Father 
has bestowed upon us. Amen.